we're back, baby, and we are ready to rock season six. So for your season opener, you've got Coach Zan and Mary on the mic to uh, kick off the first episode. But in case you're new to us, we're the Habit Team. The Habit is a nutrition coaching company made for women by women. Our program is built for you with coaches who put your goals, lifestyle, and personality first. If you want to learn more about us, head to the episode notes or go to thehabit.com. That's Habit with a Y to request more information. So we have an amazing lineup for you guys this next season. And what Mary and I really wanted to kick off this uh, season with is really talking about the importance of establishing those foundational habits before you even begin to focus on tracking macros and overall nutrition. And this is something we, you know, um, strive to have our clients, you know, in bed from the beginning. Because if you don't have those foundational habits intact, then, you know, your nutritional habits are going to fall to the wayside. So basically, the main ones that we want to focus on today is stress management, sleep hygiene. We're also going to dive into the importance of hydration and then um, the importance of activity level and recovery when it comes to, you know, seeing progress. So kicking things off with stress management. The more stress our bodies are under, the more cortisol will get released into your body, which truly can halt any type of, you know, weight loss or fat loss if that's the phase that you're in. And too much of the stress hormone can affect so many different things like weight, mood, the way you digest your food, and even your sleep cycles. So um, basically, the more stress that you have on your body, it all can cause less energy and it can, in fact, increase your cravings and your hunger because of the change of hormones. So um, pretty much why we want to bring this to your attention is you know, a lot of our clients aren't making these connections between why they're craving certain foods, why they had a binge episode, or why they're overeating. And more often times than not, it's because you're dealing with a stressful situation. You just haven't really understood that stress may be causing you to overindulge. But um, on the flip side, you know, some people who deal with stress can actually completely lose their appetite. And, um, you know, when we're in a chronic high state of um, high state of stress, cortisol levels in our body tend to produce less testosterone, and testosterone is what helps us build muscle. This is exactly why men can, you know, pretty much, you know, get bulkier than us women. They just have more testosterone naturally in their body. So, um, but a decrease in this makes us burn fewer calories. So, pretty much, it it goes again hand in hand, right? Like if you are someone who stress eats, obviously that's going to affect your goals in that sense. Or if you're someone who loses their appetite when you're stressed, then obviously you're not fueling your body with enough energy. And now it can start to break down, you know, your muscles, which obviously we don't want to have happen because then your metabolism is going to slow down. So it all really, you know, ties itself together, which is exactly why we want to stress the importance of stress management yeah and honestly i mean stress is never going to go away i mean on it never will you're always going to have stress and one thing that i've noticed when you're stress eating is your body is looking for a dopamine hit it's looking for this rush and so when you provide it with stress eating you're providing your body this dopamine that it's looking for when it's trying to um 
put that stress to the side and it is trying to manage that stress in a way. And so if you can find another way that can give you that dopamine hit, and that sounds so weird, but it's true. Your body is craving that. And so that's why you are stress eating. That's why you are, are overeating because your body is like, I am so stressed. I need something to calm my nervous system down. And therefore, that's where food comes in. So what can you do to manage that stress to give your body the dopamine that it's craving? And so that way you can manage those that hunger cue. Because more often than not, you're not really hungry in moments like that. Like you're not hungry enough to just go off the deep end and binge. You're more, your body's more just under this stress. So it's trying to regulate its nervous system. No, absolutely. And food is naturally rewarding. Like you said, you know, that dopamine hit. I mean, this is exactly why food addiction exists because you are quite literally getting a chemical release every single time you eat. So yeah, of course, you know, and dopamine is our feel-good hormone. So when we eat, we feel good. But then when we overeat, then it starts that vicious cycle, right, of that guilt and then that shame. And then you're stressed about, you know, your eating episode and then you do it all over again. And and so, you know, to Mary's point, our brains are so powerful. They truly are. And I can geek out over psychology like all day. But I actually, this is one of my favorite things to educate my clients on is to one, reassure them that this is not something uncommon. And because our brains are so powerful, it's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, it's learning that first and then kind of creating these action plans and coming up with these different tactics that are going to help you individually. And so, like, like Mary said, when you are under um, a highly stressed situation, all your brain knows is, okay, I want this person to feel good again. And what you've taught your brain and your body in the past is by reaching for food. So now your brain has hardwired that connection of, okay, I'm stressed. Now I need to lower these stress levels. How am I going to do that? By eating. And so, again, you are starting kind of that vicious cycle. But there's definitely a way to rewire your brain into thinking of different behaviors rather than just eating. So like, like Mary was saying, it's all about discovering for yourself what other activities or behaviors can promote that dopamine hit for you. Because again, that's all your body needs. It doesn't need food. It just needs that dopamine hit. So um, just off the top of your head right now, Mary, what would be some things that you think that you could replace stress eating with um, specifically to, I mean, obviously you, you know, we all enjoy different things. So what's the first thing that comes to mind? Honestly, playing with my dogs. Yes. That's like the one thing that like gives me like zen because I mean, I would say my kids and yes, they do to a certain degree, but sometimes they're stressful. But my dogs are just like a Zen place where it's very neutral. And so I will go outside and I'll get some vitamin D and I'll throw the ball and we'll play. And it's just something like if I'm stressed, I know I can rely on that. Like taking my dogs on a walk, even just that alone, really just like, I don't know, there's just something super calming of doing that for me. Well, Dogs make everything better in life. Let's get real. They do. <laughs> they do. I mean, if anyone knows, my dog is like the star of my Instagram. So, yes. Yeah. I, yeah, they do. I would definitely have to agree, you know, with that. And so, you know, with Mary's example, what she would do is if she caught herself, you know, continuously stress eating to help try lower those levels, what she can now do is in those moments, one, recognize that she's stressed and that these cravings are starting to appear 
And then instead of giving in to those cravings by immediately reaching for food, she's going to go outside and play with her dogs. And she's going to realize, you know, the more times you do this, it's all about repetition. Your brain has now been rewired to, okay, when Mary is stressed, I am going to obviously like help her remember to go outside with her dogs, enjoy the vitamin D, get that zen that she needs. And then the next time she steps foot in the house, she's those cravings for certain foods are going to be completely gone because she got her dopamine hit from her dogs. So that's the coolest yeah, part. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, if you're still hungry, when you get back inside and you've done that and you're like, okay, like I can sense that I'm hungry. Maybe at that point, you're going to make a better decision than like reaching for the nutty buddy bars that are in my uh, pantry right now <laughs> or the whatever uh, you make you stick to your macro plan for instance instead of saying like you're going off of the plan so uh, maybe it will help you to go back and be like okay what did I have planned for snack I'm going to go ahead and stick to what I had planned I'm going to eat if you're still hungry obviously we're not saying don't eat right. if you're hungry it's more just um, rewiring in that moment of stress and then coming back and reevaluating where you're at. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And again, to not be ashamed that if you are someone that stress eats, I mean, that's so, so common. But this is exactly why this is such a vital, you know, foundational habit is to learn, you know, what emotions are causing me to reach for food. Okay. And what action plan can I now come up with? to you know help myself in the future because you can we could immediately dive into our client with our clients about nutrition how to track macros but if this is the reoccurring issue then my first instinct would be okay we're putting a hold on tracking macros and we need to um implement more stress management because that is the priority in that situation so that's um yeah yeah that's the first foundational habit we really wanted to emphasize the other one, which, you know, all of these really do go or tie together, but Mary is going to dive a little bit deeper into sleep, you know, the negative effects it can have on us and our eating habits and how to kind of come up or how to better your sleep hygiene in general. Yes. So definitely the relationship between the lack of sleep and increased hunger is due to hormonal functions in the body. Getting a good night's rest promotes a healthy balance of hormones, including those that regulate your appetite, your digestion, and your metabolism. So the two main hormones that we typically talk to our clients about are ghrelin and leptin. These are huge when it comes to weight loss in general, um, and they get affected by so many things, especially when you are in a calorie deficit. So ghrelin, it stimulates your appetite while leptin, it decreases it and they work kind of together, but then it gets each other at the same (laughs) time. When the body is sleep deprived, the level of ghrelin will spike while the levels of leptin will fall, leading um, to an increase in your hunger and your cravings. And so when you're already tired, your body is tired, well, then your energy levels are going to start to be tired as well. And then that, t- that tends to cause a decrease in your just activity throughout the day. So some other like side effects that you can um, count on happening <laughs> if you are sleep deprived are memory loss, mood changes. I mean, I know my kids are grumpy when they're tired. <laughs> I'm grumpy when I'm tired. Like, yeah. Everybody is grumpy when they're tired. Um, your immune system is weakened. Uh, you That's why they say when you're sick, get lots of rest because that is when your body can truly heal. So when you're really, really sick with something, sleep. Sleep is so important. 
uh, you are your lack of concentration and your hormone production in general. So um, when you're thinking of like trying to get back on track to find a healthy sleep schedule, a few things to um, keep in mind are um, limiting your daytime nap. So you really want to train your body the difference between daytime and nighttime. And obviously this, this doesn't apply to those who work night shifts. That's a whole different ball game. But if you don't, then you want to limit those daytime naps um, and then refrain from drinking caffeine way too close to uh, the evening time. So anything kind of past noon, one o'clock, you really just kind of want to not do caffeine. So decaf coffee, if you really like the taste of coffee, decaf coffee, decaf tea, going to bed at the same time every night, waking up at the same time every morning, sticking to your bedtime schedule during the weekends and holidays, those matter. Weekends are still days and everything that you do during the weekday still counts on the weekend spending an hour before bed doing something relaxing even if it's like red light therapy um really thinking about turning those lights down low um meditating taking a bath reading a book um you're probably want to avoid some like heavy meals i always suggest a lot of my clients get some protein before they go to bed i think that that's super important because your body is recovering while you sleep. So if you go to bed with some protein in your system, that's going to really aid in um, gaining some muscle there. Um, And then, you know, like I said before, doing some relaxing activities, probably not scrolling social media would not be one of those because that can sometimes send people a little, it gives you, it's a little bit stressful sometimes, I feel like, depending on what you're looking at. Um, And then make sure you're getting your exercise and reduce your alcohol intake. So those are just a few things that you can do. Obviously, everybody's different everybody's life is different but you can take from that and kind of slowly start to apply that to your life Mm -hmm. no i love that and you know some of those tips you mentioned if you really you know go back and dive into it you see it's all about creating a routine our bodies are addicted to routine we thrive off of routine and if you can obviously have the ability to be able to go to bed at the same time wake up at the same time you know implement these different meditation or relax um, relaxation activities before bed, your body is going to learn. And naturally, when your bedtime starts approaching, you're already going to start feeling tired because that's what your body has not been programmed to um, know. And, you know, this is one thing that I love as well, coaching my clients on because it's just a building awareness that's going to help you um, understand why you're experiencing the things you're experiencing. And so the first thing you know, I um, tell my clients, is okay, if you got poor sleep or you just did not sleep very well the night before, this is what you need to be prepared for for the next day. And so just being better prepared, like for instance, hey, I slept like shit last night. That probably means I'm going to be dragging ass today. Um, my cravings are going to be out of control. It's going to be a lot harder for me to kind of implement that willpower, so to speak. And so they feel empowered just knowing that and being prepared. Obviously, you can't turn back time and get a better night's rest that night before. But now, okay, how are we going to react to all of these different symptoms that are going to occur? And again, you feel more in power and in control because you're expecting it. And so I think that's... Yeah, and that goes back to the dopamine hit. Like we talked, it all ties in. So what are you going to do to get that uh, dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. So yes, everything ties in together. I think that's so important. And it's important to have that self-awareness. And I think some people might um, 
lack that sometimes when they they get frustrated with themselves if they step on the scale one morning and the it's gone up well have do you have enough self-awareness to sit back and think okay what maybe had happened yesterday maybe nothing happened maybe you were absolutely perfect you got the best night's sleep you got you ate on point whatever and that's great but maybe like something happens that you can be really self-aware and you saw the scale jump up and you're like, you know what? I got a really bad night's sleep. Mm -hmm. I ate way over my calories. I stress ate those things. And you can be self-aware in that. And like you said, that is really empowering Mm -hmm. when you can become that version of yourself to take a step back and take a broader pick, broader look at, at your um, progress. Yeah. And just learning, you know, how all these different habits are going to affect your physical and mental progress. One of my favorite moments with any of my clients is if they step on the scale and that number has gone up, they will literally talk themselves off the ledge and being like, okay, it went up because of X, Y, and Z. That's okay. Like I'm not tripping off that number at all because now they're educated in that. And, um, (laughs) you know, sleep hygiene and stress play a huge role. And so once we educate them and you start obviously building these foundational habits, if that scale were to go up, you now know how to kind of talk yourself through it. And that's Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. you know, when you see kind of those self-coaching moments and like Mm -hmm. as a coach, I'm like so proud, you know, when those moments happen. So, Oh, it happens all the time. And sometimes I'll have clients text me like early in the morning and maybe I didn't see it. So text me and they'll say, oh my gosh, the scale was up, but I didn't see it. And then I'll see like after that, but at the same time, this and this happened and this, and they're like, okay, like it's fine. So they had this whole conversation yeah. with themselves and it's like went from here, which is fine. The feelings are valid. You can feel a type of way when you step on the scale, whether it's the scales lower or higher, it's okay mm-hmm. to have those feelings. You're human. It's normal. Uh, but when you can have those feelings, but not live in that for the whole day and not let it ruin your day, you're like, oh man, that sucks. Or yay, I'm so excited. But you don't let it affect your day either way. I think that's when true magic happens, mm-hmm. when you can feel those feelings in the moment and then talk yourself out of it and then move on. I know. I love it. Like sometimes our clients, like you said, have these conversations just with themselves. We're just there like flies on the wall because they just want to (laughs) like vent to us. Right. But I'm like, at that point, I'm like, you don't even need me. You literally just told yourself exactly what I would tell you. So yeah, they need the validation. I think that's good. I love to do that. I mean, they need somebody to like validate their feelings in that moment and be like, great job like talking yourself through that um i love that that's my favorite thing Mm -hmm. is really complimenting when you can talk yourself through a negative moment as uh, as you know without having somebody come in and be like you need to stop it i think that's super awesome Mm -hmm. so i love to see that yeah and again you know last thing to just touch on and with that is you know seeing the scale go up can create a negative emotion negative emotions can then lead you to stress eating so it literally again <laughs> all ties together yeah. but when you step on that scale and you have that education of what could have caused this number to go up you're going to realize you can keep your stress levels at a minimum <laughs> and so it uh-huh. is yeah a really beautiful thing you know once you do it use is. knowledge is power after all right <laughs> it is so third one that we want to dive into is actually hydration. And we have our clients kind of track their water intake because it truly plays such a big role in your health. So water plays many roles in your body, you know, really including maintaining electrolyte balance, blood pressure, it helps lubricate your joints, regulates body temperature, and it promotes um, cell health. 
But if you are, let's say, in a deficit phase, um, it, it can actually really push progress forward for you. So water's a natural appetite suppressant. So when the stomach senses that it's full, it sends a signal to the brain to stop eating. So water can help take up space in the stomach, leading to, you know, feelings of um, fullness and reducing hunger in general. A person may also think that they are hungry when they're actually thirsty. And we humans confuse those cues a lot. So before you actually think you're hungry, drink water and see if that helps your hunger subside because more often times than not, we're really just thirsty. And again, we're not in tune with our body yet to know and differentiate those cues. Um, water can also help burn more calories. They It may temporarily increase the body's resting energy expenditure or the number of calories burned while resting. So drinking cold water can further enhance water's calorie burning benefits because the body expends energy or calories by heating up the water, you know, for digestion. Um, water helps spread the waste from our bodies. Of course, you know, if you are someone who is often constipated and nothing is TMI here, by the way, um, try drinking more water and you'll probably see that it's going to help, you know, circulate everything within your body and you're going to be able to go to the bathroom more regularly. Um, also, water is necessary to burn fat. So without water, the body cannot properly metabolize stored fats or carbs in general. And the last but not least, um, most important one I think is you know if you exercise a lot and you're not drinking enough water you are um, basically reducing the chance of your uh, muscles to grow and recover and basically water really can help the lungs heart other organs to work effectively as you ramp up during exercise and so never ever ever be dehydrated while you're working out and if you are someone that works out regularly it is really smart for you to start tracking your water intake and seeing you know is this an adequate amount for me and my body and some people you know before before they even start drinking more water they don't even know the difference because that's what their body has been so accustomed to and so when I start getting clients to drink more water and they start to really see the benefits of it I mean it makes it that much easier to hit your water goal. Yeah, and it's not even just like weight loss. Your skin will look this beautiful is. and hydrated. Your hair, your nails, like, it, and I know even for me when I was first started like really working out, um, I ended up getting a kidney stone because I was dehydrated, and I and so now like that's constantly in my mind is drink more water because I was moving way more than I was drinking water. If did that make sense? So I, was, I needed to drink more water for the amounts of activity that I was um, providing my body. And so I ended up getting a kidney stone because I was severely dehydrated. So that was painful. Nobody wants to go through that. Mm -hmm. So so when it comes to um, your workouts, obviously water is vital. You don't want to be dehydrated. It can really, really hinder your progress. But water intake is also vital when it comes to all other activity outside of that one-hour workout that you put in. And what we call this is NEATS, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. It's just a very fancy name for all the activity you do outside of planned exercise. So I'm talking going for walks, doing chores, running errands, fidgeting, you name it. It's activity. And why we want to bring this to light is a lot of people 
think that the only way to see physical progress is by exercising. Of course, that's a great habit to instill. But if you are over-exercising and not giving your body that proper um, recovery and rest, you are, in essence, still hindering your progress. So this is where NEAT comes into play, where I like to educate my clients on NEAT to help reassure them that it's okay to not exercise every single day in the gym. It's okay just to implement NEAT on certain days and still, you know, be able to reach their health goals. So... Mary, when it comes to NEAT, why is it so important for women to understand this concept? And why is it important for your body to have that proper recovery? You know, a lot of clients, actually, I'm not going to lie, I have a client right now. I noticed she was working out rigorously for seven days a week. And I literally was like, you need to stop working out so much. And she's like, I've never been told that when it comes to me reaching my health goals. And so that segued me into educating her on the detrimental effects that um, over-exercising does have. So what do you do with your clients, you know, and help them understand this concept? Yeah, so we have 24 hours in our day. Obviously, not everybody's 24 hours is the same. Everybody's life is different. However, we can always try to find little times to get more movement in. So if we everybody goes to the gym, let's just say, we have a, set, a group of seven women. We all went to the gym for an hour in the day. But then three of those women went home and they binge watch shows on Netflix all day. They kind of just like lounge around. Maybe they work at a desk all day, so they're not really moving. So, But then you have the other group where they go on a 20-minute walk here and there. They um, park further away from the store, so they're getting more steps in while they're moving their body, thus burning more calories by moving their body in that way. So you're going to have somebody, the people who are working at the desk all day, not making it a point to move their body, um, they're going to have a harder time losing weight because you're not really creating that deficit. And obviously we could match you, but our goal here is to not lower calories so much. We would rather you create a bigger deficit with more calories by increasing your need, by increasing your steps. That's why we say hit 10,000 steps, which is kind of an arbitrary goal, I think, for somebody who's like used to maybe getting 3,000 steps in the day. I try to just go, okay, let's try for 5,000 and we hit that for a few weeks and then we can go to 6,000 and then we can move and build from there. But you hear like that 10,000 that could also that could be like the okay, my goal is eventually I'm going to get there. So if you are hitting those um, that goal of getting more steps in, moving your body more, creating a bitter a bigger calorie deficit, you're going to have an easier time to lose weight. But then on the same time and the same token, if you're going to the gym and you are just hitting it hard, you're doing tons of hit workouts, you are lifting super heavy, and you're never giving your muscles and your body the time uh, to recover and to build because you're not building muscle in the gym. You're building muscle outside of the gym. You're building muscle when you are resting and your body is recovering. When you are eating your food, you are sleeping, and you are managing your stress, that's when you are building muscle. So uh, it's super important to give your body that time to take a break. That we, Whenever I was trying to build my glutes, for instance, uh, I would uh, first I thought, okay, I need to train my glutes at least every day. I tell you what, the time when I stopped training my glutes every day and I went to training my glutes only three times a week is when I really saw the biggest difference in my glute growth because I was giving my glutes enough time 
to recover between each workout. If I'm not giving myself enough time, then it's never going to be able to catch up and your body is constantly going to be tired. You're never going to be able to lift the heavy enough to start to build the muscle in the areas that you're looking to build because you are going to start getting burnt out. Your body is going to start to get burnt out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And why NEAT and like recovery kind of putting them together here is because this could be a brand new concept to a lot of our clients. And a lot of our clients are like, I, for years, I have never not worked out every single day. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, they start making themselves anxious. They start getting stressed out by not doing anything. But by educating our clients on the power of NEAT, okay, those rest days that you are taking make sure i always say go run, save all your errands for those days all your chores whatever it might be so you still are getting that anxious energy out but you're not putting extra stress on your body and so that's kind of how i like to tie it hand in hand to just help you know relieve any you know stress or anxiety around that concept because some people are just not used to resting but god when you do and you start taking complete days off you are going to see so much more progress in the gym. And again, you're never going to believe us until you just do it. And all the clients that I have gotten to kind of step away from working out every single day, they take one to two rest days a week, immediately started seeing more results, you know, and kind of pushed them out of any plateau that they were experiencing. And so NEAT truly is, I would say, more important than planned exercise. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it definitely is. There's people who lose weight a lot with just walks yeah. alone. It, you never underestimate the power of just walking. Uh, you can certainly lose weight if that's all you can do. That is maybe you're a brand new mom or something like that. And there's just like you can take the stroller and you go for walks and that's all you can do. Great. I'm all for it. You can reach goals. Obviously, at some point, you have to start implementing new things. But I think it's really important to know that if that's all you can do, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And you should you should do that. Absolutely. So. I mean, being reliant on exercise for long-term success, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Let's get real. As we age, there is no way in hell you're going to be able to do the same type of workouts that you probably did when you were in your 20s and 30s, right? So then... You know, you having been so reliant on certain um, workouts and now as we age, you're not able to do it as, you know, rigorously as you once were, then panic mode sets in, right? So that's, again, the beauty of NEAT. NEAT is something that you will do for the rest of your life. So establishing that right now as a foundational habit is what's going to create the long-term success for you. Yep. So those were the main foundational habits that we wanted to touch on just on this episode, but um. We are also here to kind of shed light on this new course that we are launching with The Habit. And we understand, like, we're constantly trying to add value to The Habit and your program. And we understand not everyone needs one-on-one coaching or just may not be, you know, in your wheelhouse at at this time because you're super busy, whatever it is. So we wanted to create kind of this four-week course as a separate option. So it's not as tedious, I would say, as one-on-one coaching and tracking your macros, but it's educating you on basically these foundational habits that we kind of briefly chatted about today. And you still get paired with a coach. You basically are, for the four weeks that you were with the habit, learning to establish these before we even touch on nutrition. 
And so if you, you know, after listening to this episode, believe, okay, this is what's getting in my way. I have the nutrition down. I need to start working on all these other variables. Then this course is 1000% for you. If you are, these are things that you've never even thought of, this is where you should start. So um, it is officially available for you guys, you know, to um, purchase if this is an option that you guys are interested in. And of course, you can always DM us. Let us know if you have further questions. But we just want to educate as much as possible. I mean, knowledge is power. And so we want to be able to pass that on to as many people as possible. I really enjoy the course. I think it's great. We put a lot of work into it. And I think it's it's going to provide somebody like I wish I had that when I started my journey I wish I had something to kind of start pointing me in the right direction because I think I made a lot of mistakes and obviously that's normal you do I would have anyways but I feel like had I had this like foundational guide it would have helped me through so much when I first started because I was lost Mm -hmm. so I I think it's it's a wonderful and I think a lot of people would benefit from this so yeah. hopefully you enjoy it. Yes. Give us your feedback, um, as always. And truly, this was like such a great topic to kind of send you guys into episode two. So episode two is titled Breaking Through the Scale Standstill. So learning what's going on, why, you know, you may be experiencing plateaus. Is it actually a plateau? And now that you're educated on all these foundational habits, you can start thinking, okay, why is the scale at a standstill? So on um, episode two, you have Kristen, Carly, and Morgan on the mic that they're going to talk you through all of the, um, you know, variables that kind of go into different plateaus. But that will be coming at you guys next. And um, we hope you guys enjoyed the first episode. And we are so excited to continue the season. Bye. See ya.